Do you want a cash-flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom? Sunsets and palm trees on your terms. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started with no money or credit and quickly grew a multi-million dollar portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. Hey, Sterling. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, Corey. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you on and really excited about this episode to talk about you know, there's lots of ways to get into deals and you can find a deal. You can have some, your own money. I think you've done really well is help find money, OPM, and bring that to people that have deals already going and really put yourself into deals that necessarily maybe you wouldn't. And I think it's a great story and I'd love to discover it a little bit more. But before we do that, just tell us a little bit more about who Sterling is and as a person, what do you like to do for fun? And, and kind of give us your backstory a little bit. Sure. So name is Sterling Chapman. I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I got two little boys, two and a half year old, a one year old. And so that's a kind of full-time endeavor outside of business. You know, I started in, I was in corporate America. I went to LSU for finance and then went back and got an MBA and I was going to be the next CFO of this tell company. And I was moving up the corporate ladder and I just realized that I had three big epiphanies around the same time. And one was that no matter how hard I worked to get ahead, they would just turn up the treadmill. They were going to squeeze every drop. There was never going to be any getting ahead. The next one was that I was completely dispensable. They could turn off the tap at any time. And I just envisioned myself being like in my 40s with these kids in private school and this mortgage and this car and this company I devoted my life to for X number of years just turned me off. Somebody in corporate headquarters looking at my number on a spreadsheet, doesn't even know my name. Boom, everything's gone. That terrified the hell out of me. And the other thing was staring down the barrel of working until I was 70. So I was like, there's got to be a better way. So I started looking into personal finance and read rich dad, poor dad, buying a bunch of rental properties, going that route. And when I was buying and fixing up rental properties, people started to take notice and people started to throw money at me to buy and fix up these houses. Well, what I found was more people wanted to invest with me than I could really substantiate with the houses. I couldn't get enough houses to accommodate all this money. So I, I decided I wanted to get into large multifamily properties. I discovered it. Okay, but hold on. I'm going to pause yeah, right yeah, there for yeah. just a quick second because, all right, what was it that allowed people, so you're starting to do some single family stuff, right? Where did those people come from? How do you think you attracted that capital in the first place? Well, I mean, there's a lot about attract. I see people on Facebook all the time, where I'm sure you're in just as many different little real estate groups as I, and you see these kind of newbies come out. They're trying to raise capital. They're trying to do deals. And then you go look at their personal Facebook page and there's this disrespectful stuff. There's over the top political stuff, all this kind of like stuff that diminishes your personal brand. And I think it's very important to focus like, a hundred percent of the time, like everybody is looking at you. So I've just always been a big believer in polishing your personal brand in front of everybody all the time. That's step one. Right. That's where I found success in advancing quickly in corporate America. I think it's exposure, network, and performance. You get in front of the people and look good when you're in front of them. So just from what you were doing in your work job, work life, you built up a lot of integrity about who you are. Yeah. I mean, I had demonstrated success before I'd got to. I was successful in my corporate life. I'd gotten 
a master's degree. I had demonstrated that I can follow through on a commitment. And then when I started buying the single family houses, I was just posting all the time about what I was doing and people just naturally became curious and say, so this is your Facebook friends, the network of people that say, and they're like, Hey, I want to be a part of that. How do I do that? Right. How do I fund your next house? Exactly. Well, a lot of people approach me because they're like, well, I want to go do a house myself. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, it's a lot of work and they see how much work it is. They go, well, I'm like, well, there's another option. You could always just put up the money and I could do it. All. Boom. Okay. So I love that takeaway. That's where I want to get some juice, right? That's the shit that really happens in life, right? I believe this is why I teach. Teach people how to fish. Yeah. No matter, teach what you know, right? Yeah. And what happens is there's lots of people that start this journey. They really want to, right? Mm-hmm. And certainly what happens is the minute it gets, oh, this is a lot of work. <laughs> Yeah, And they get this like deer in the headlights look, they're looking around and they finally realize, and you just say, all you got to do is say the magic words. Yeah, Why don't you just give them your money to, and you can live vicariously through me. I'll do all the work and I'll share with you in the success. Yeah. That's where it all started. I started taking on people's cash for the single family business. And I still do a lot of single family stuff with a lot of invest- yeah. investor capital. But from there, you know, at the time, I guess this was mid 2019, I was managing my rental properties myself. I had a full-time job. I had a one-year-old kid. I was just like pulling my hairs out. And yeah. I, I read Joe Fairless's book about apartment syndication. And that was when I was like, oh man, that sounds really cool. And I started my podcast, which you're going to be on tomorrow, I believe. But I started at the Rent Roll Radio Show to basically force myself to network and learn every week. And then you just kind of a yeah. build on that brand and establish myself as a thought leader in the industry. So like, if nothing else, I have interviewed 125 other really smart, successful investors. I've got a leg up on the regular Jack that hadn't done that. You know what I mean? I'm learning every week. Yeah. So that was what I started the podcast. I decided that at the time I had more people wanted to invest with me than I could handle their money or had anywhere to put their money, but I didn't really have the capacity or really the interest in going and underwriting a thousand apartment deals, right? I can underwrite a single family house on the back of a napkin or in my head in about 30 seconds. But when you get to 150 unit apartment complex, I mean, there's a lot of levers and I'm pretty ADD. It's a whole nother ball game, right? Yeah. I always tell everybody, yeah, I talk about how much I dislike it so much. I'm afraid my investors are going to start to think I can't do it. Look, I got two finance degrees. I could underwrite a deal if I want to. I just don't like to sit in front of Excel for eight hours straight and go cross-eyed underwriting 15 deals a week. So I found some really great partners that are like way smarter than me and way better at that than I am. And we teamed up and I said, look, man, I'm a big believer in doubling down on your strengths. And I just really love talking to investors. I really love educating people on how it works. I really love the networking aspect and the brand building aspect and all the things that make me a solid capital raiser. And I just really think that my partners that are underwriting and acquiring these deals, they do a better job than I would at it. I just think it makes sense. No, there's a reality to that. So, and here's a big secret, right? Everybody thinks the money's in real estate. I'm going to tell you, I don't believe it is, right? I think the money, the money's in the money. Sure. Those who can go out and find capital, that's where the money's at, right? Get good at doing this one skill set. And by the way, this is the skill set, what you're talking about, raising capital is needed 
in every seminar, any place that I would go. So I would say, like when I go to those, like and we met at the best ever conference, right? So I go to those things. A lot of people are going there to look for money, right? I'm trying to find money, I'm trying to find money, trying to find, and dude, thousands of people are looking for money. And I find that it's better to go in there saying, I am the money. All of a sudden you become a really popular person <laughs> yeah. in the whole thing, right? I am the money, right? And then it's amazing the different attraction, right? And essentially that's what you're doing is you're going out and saying, guys, I am the money. I can go out and raise capital. I have the ability to raise capital. I've done it. And now you're getting a track record, right? Sure. Yeah. What does that do for you? I mean, it's exponential growth, right? Going into my first project, I borrowed my track record from the single family space, but that really only gets you so far, right? Because it is a different animal. But after the first project went way over expectation, I mean, we underwrote rent to eventually get up to 1,500. They're already at 1325, right at a year later. So, I mean, we just knocked that one out of the park. So not only did we get all of our first-time investors back into our second project we just wrapped up, but they brought in all their friends. So the word of mouth is, I mean, the better you do, you know who your biggest sales folks are is your investors. I mean, everybody wants to brag about how much money you're making. It's a snowball. Yeah. People feel like they're smarter than the average bear if they're getting higher than average returns and they want to brag to their friends. And when they brag to their friends, their friends go, well, who's getting you that much money? Sterling is. Yeah. Where do I find that? Right. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. If you want to learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. So I love the analogy because it really is a snowball effect, right? As you go on this journey, are you full-time now doing what you do? Are you still got one foot in the door? I got one foot in, one foot out. I'm, I'm hoping to be done by the end of the year. Yeah. Well, and what does that look like for you just in a personal sense of what it will do for you? So what will going full-time do for me? Yeah. So what does that look like? What does that do for your psyche? Well, it does a lot. Who you are and like. So first of all, I mean, I'm very, very flexible with my day job. So it's from a time perspective, it's never really limited the amount of energy I can put in this. It does limit certain aspects. I don't go and openly prospect for investors on LinkedIn because I have a million corporate connections and my employees on there and all that kind of stuff. And I just feel like not like shoving it in there. Don't want to pollute the pool, right? So from that aspect, I think from my psyche also, although it's not a huge time commitment, there is a huge mental bandwidth commitment, right? I manage a sales team. So I'm are we going to hit goal? What kind of problems does Billy have? You know what I mean? I got 12 yeah. employees. It's like, well, they call me all the time. So right. freeing up that extra bandwidth will definitely go a long way. Well, and I always say, but what about the time too, right? Because it's the time piece, even though that's it's not as time committed, but like you said, you got kids, you got family and all that sure. stuff, right? That is a different. And then what are you showcasing to your little ones, right? Yeah. That's the part. So what you're open was, is like, no one wants to work for the man. Like, so you really think about it. You're like, that looks like a, a shitty view. Right. 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 No pun intended. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and the gift of giving, this is what I found for my kids too. Right. I get my gift of showing them entrepreneurial dad. Sure. Right. Of, since they've been little kids. Right. And to see that change because the talk's different. Mm-hmm. I bet you you're talking different. Like what your talk was before you found the real estate 
And now what's the difference in the top? Yeah. I, well, I mean, my kids are one years old and two and a half. There's not a whole lot of conversation. They're never too young. <laughs> There's not a whole lot never of conversation. Too young, baby. Come on. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I mean, my worldview is different. I mean, my attitude is different. It has completely transformed my life and how I view formal education, structure, the man, all of it. I mean, they will yeah. have a completely different life with a completely different dad, with a completely different viewpoint because of what's happened over the last four years in the real estate space. That's what I'm trying to say, right? That's my point. I think and that's the why. Yeah, they won't be pressured into go to college. They'll be playing cash flow in middle school. You know what I mean? They'll get it. They'll be taught how to start and run businesses. They won't be pressured into being rule followers. My kids are already getting kicked out of school at two and a half. My wife said, oh, no. I said, I don't give a shit. That's Nate right there. All of that hyperactivity and energy and stuff that's getting him in trouble because he doesn't fit in that box today is going to why he's going to be super successful in the future. It's really weird. I have an 18-year-old and a 16-year-old, right? So, And we've talked. Now, they're still going to college because mom's, <laughs> mom's Filipino. Yeah. You got to go to college, right? And my daughter's like, well, I think I'm going to go to pre-med, right? I was like, well, internally, I'm like, we'll see about that. I've not told her that, right? I'm like, go ahead, do it, right? If that's your dream, go crush. But I think she's going to get down the road and realize that, gosh, damn, this is 12 years the only thing I'll give her is that she'll come out of it out of debt, right? No debt free. Yeah. And it's funny because I feel like my son's like, my son's the smart one. Dad, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to try to play football. When I get done with that, I'm coming home. <laughs> I'm coming to the family business. I'm like, attaboy. <laughs> smart. I think college was a great experience. And I'm not one of those anti, you run around in the real estate and some people are like super anti-college. I don't buy into that. Yeah, I, I don't either. I didn't go. I wish I would have. It certainly didn't hurt. I'll tell you this from raising capital. The fact that I got two finance degrees definitely doesn't hurt me. Nobody thinks less of me when they're handing me a check because I've got all of, you know what I mean? All of that formal education around finance. No, I think it does. And that was my point too. It's just like, I think one of the biggest gifts for me is raising your kids as best you can, right? And giving them those ideas. So many people, like you didn't catch the idea till later on in life, but what if you would have had it introduced at a younger age? Sure. I always say to that, if I would have had that, right? I meet people on the podcast and other places that are 22 years old starting. Man, I'd be done. <laughs> if I had started this at 22, I couldn't imagine. Because you had so much energy at 22. Right. You could grind all the time. Yeah. It's going to be a game changer starting early. And so as you've raised capital, what do you think some of the three or four tips or things that you've done the best at? to help attract that capital? So one thing that I've done is I've given away as much freely as I possibly can. So, and as more as somebody as popular as yourself, I can imagine the time restraints you come against trying to do this. But every time somebody reaches out to me for my podcast, I go have coffee with them. I do local meetups where I educate people. I'm constantly trying to help as many people I can on the phone. And like you, like we were talking about in the beginning, most of the people that have invested with me are people that I tried to help become active investors that just determined it was more work and they just decided they wanted to, or even are active investors and they had money sitting in a 401k that they rolled over to a self-directed and couldn't invest in their own deal. So they put it in mine. So I've had a tremendous amount of success just from helping other people and educating other people. Yeah, that's huge. Where do you think, where do you see the future going in the next uh, kind of 
five years crystal ball for the mark where does sterling go for sterling or for the no, mark for, just for you yeah forget the market like who cares we might now we'll talk about both. yeah 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 i don't have an answer i like your personal journey yeah <laughs> so i have had and i know i talked to a lot of people that or against this model. And, you know, most people I talk to are like, well, I used to do single family and I've graduated to multifamily and I never look back. I make a lot of money in single family business. I mean, I make a lot and I take that money and I invest from when I sell houses, I invest that money alongside my investors in these big deals. I use that money as hard money deposits and all these soft costs up front. Startup costs. Yeah. Yeah. So, and when I quit my job at the end of the year, if I don't find a deal for a year, I'll be living off of the cash flow from my rental properties. So I'm going to keep doing that. I want to ramp up the private. I want to be Corey Peterson. I want to ramp up the marketing. I'm in the process of a huge marketing refresh right now, redoing my websites, redoing my active campaign, my CRM, and all of my content that I put out. I'm actually hiring your podcast editor to promote my podcast to really, okay, really yeah. ramp up the exposure. I have had a lot of success locally raising capital. I mean, we need another deal, right? I've still got capital lined up waiting to be placed. But what I would like to do is have that model where I'm raising from accredited investors across the country that are not referrals of referrals or friends of friends. That is truly a guy in Nebraska who's never met me, but downloaded my lead magnet, went to my website and signed up for my investor club and is getting our projects and where I can raise $10 million in three days from 70% of the people I don't know. I want to grow into that next few years. So are you ready for retirement? The majority of Americans are not. Failing social security and dated financial planning practices put strains on many retirees' finances. 46% of Americans admit they are not taking steps to prepare for the likelihood they outlive their retirement savings. Luckily, it's not too late. Diversify your portfolio. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. To learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. So it's interesting, right? I'm doing the exact opposite right now, right? I'm changing my whole thing. I don't want that anymore, right? So it's really, it's interesting to hear because, hey, there's no rhyme, like money is everywhere, right? You know that, right? There's money everywhere. And online function, like we're trying to go more local now. So my model that I've just changed, right, is I finally have a real office and we're actually going to hire financial advisors, right? So now that's the difference too, is I'm going to hire some people, okay? I would say, do exactly what you're doing. And then level two is to go back into local. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because once I hire these financial advisors, their goal is just going to go out into my local market and kind of act as a financial advisor. We're going to create a fund for them to come in. And we have an office, a real building where they can bring clients in and we can share the story and close them. Sure. But I will tell you, there is so much money everywhere that having good funnels and follow-up systems is paramount to any capital raising process, yeah, right? And what has that done for you in finding those types of people as you, where do you envision that piece going? Are you going to get more on the education side a little bit more? I will. Are you talking about like a paid education programs? Yeah. That's never been part of my model. It's got to be a good model because everybody seems to do it. Do you do paid education? 
man, I'm getting out of that too. Yeah. Right. So it's a lot of work. So I always say like, it's really interesting in my mind. And now we're having this conversation, right? It's like a conversation of how we do stuff, right? Maybe this is probably the best part of the podcast. I don't know. I always come back to sometimes like I'll do a season of something and see if I like the season. Mm-hmm. I love it. Just like you, I was you way back when I started. I just wanted to give, man. If I had somebody that knew something that needed some help, I feel like that's how we're commissioned to be as people, Right. Like there's a picture I've seen a long time ago. It was Jesus standing in the water and he was reaching down and someone had a hand up and he was drowning and Jesus, he's got a, but he's got a hold of Jesus's hand, right? He's lifting him up, but he's got his other hand down below and he's grabbing someone a little farther down than he is. Right. And I feel like that's always have someone you look up to, but you always should be trying to pull somebody up. And I think that's exactly what you're doing. It's the right thing. The challenge is to do it and try to make money is so much work. Yeah. That's what I found. And I'd rather do it free. When I give away free, then there's no pieces to it. I mean, it's free to the consumer, but it's never a sunk cost for you, in my opinion, because they're always going to come back to you as an investor. It always has. That's the best part of it, right? But when you run it as a business, then it's more because you feel like you got to be salesy, right? And I hate being salesy. That's not my... You got to become the guy, right? And I'm like, I hate that title. I was on, I went to some capital raising, like three hour seminar. I'm not going to name the guy here because a bunch of people listen to your podcast. I don't want him to hear me, but I was so pissed off because I thought it was going to be some good content in here and rearranged my plans to go to this three hour like deal. And all he was doing the whole time was trying to sell me his $20,000 coaching program. Yeah. There was zero content. I know this guy. I've interviewed him before. I've met him. I liked him. I'm so pissed off <laughs> that he took my three hours and did nothing but try and sell me pay coach. I like Joe puts out tons of content for free. Dude. Yes. But like he's got a million investors because everybody appreciates him putting out that content. Everybody looks to him as yes. a teacher. And we would all. And then he has to pay to limit the amount of people that come through his funnel because it would be it's overwhelming. Yeah. Right. But I agree. You create enough massive value, but I think it's the best tool for getting investors is teaching. Yeah, for sure. Right. So that's my yang to it. Right. So we're doing this year, I'm doing only one of it and I called it my last and it may or may not be my last one. I think it's probably my last one. Last one for this year. We'll say I might open it up next year where I have a true three-day training course. Right. But we used to do that thing four times a year. And what happened was like, I'm always on the road or I got to resell this and set it up and start selling. And I'm like, what's my primary business? My primary business is just owning apartments and operating. Right. That's what I really love to do. Right. So I had to like say, what's my priorities? And everybody changes just like you, you like where you're at right now. It makes a lot of sense. You're like, Hey, I don't have to find the deals. I just got to find the good partners, bring value. I get a piece of the GP and I'm, I'm set up. That to me, makes so much sense. And I don't know what that evolution will look like. There's a lot of guys that kind of, I always say whore themselves out to every little group out there with their capital. And though I don't like doing that. I like my investors capital. I like knowing exactly where it is. I like being on the the weekly meeting calls. I like walking the properties beforehand. I like knowing I have a seat at the table and a vote. And I've got the same small group of guys that we work together over and over again. We just have different branded companies, right? Yep. Got you. So it's, but you feel comfortable in that, right? Again, I feel 
I mean, it's as much my deal as it is theirs. You know what I mean? Yep. yep. They just took lead on the acquisition side and I took lead on the capital side and we both shared the asset management piece. So that's different than these guys that go show up and they raised a half a million dollars for a $50 million deal and they're not invited to the weekly call. You know what I mean? That I don't want my capital. I don't want to send my capital out to places that I have no control. I feel like that's not responsible. Yeah. Because you're selling yourself. You're really, truly selling yourself too. And you want to make sure you have that you've taken the time to do the due diligence on your partners. I guess that'll know looking five years down the road. I don't know how that relationship will evolve, whether one day I'll start hiring more internally on the acquisition side, or if we'll move more towards just a continued exclusive type of relationship there. I I don't know how that'll evolve. I just, again, I'm really big on focusing on your strengths. And like right now, I think the area that I could really blow out of the water the most, if I really focused all my energy on it is the brand building and the capital side, like the education. I like the investor networking. I like the interviewing. I like you know, getting out there and meeting people and talking to people and explaining the process and the concepts. So I want to focus on... I think that's the most powerful. I think it'll blow up bigger than you even think, right? I mean, just knowing who you are and your integrity, the way the way you're doing it is the right way, right? And it'll tenfold or not, you know, hundredfold it as you go. So it is that big snowball. Yeah. It gains more and more traction as you roll. Yeah. And it gives you more options right at that point. Right. So you asked about the market too. You say you want to talk about that. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. I say it's either going to go nowhere but up or it's going to come crashing down. One of those two, right? <laughs> yeah. Listen, I have to be risk adverse for my investors, right? That's the way I look at it. Sure. I'm very cautiously optimistic. I think it's inflation is going to keep going, even though rates are going to go up, inflation is going to go up more, sure. right? I don't think they're going to be able to curb it fast enough for at least the next three years or so, right? After that, it's anybody's game. But even then, for me, I'm only trying to buy cash flow deals right now. If it doesn't really cash flow, I even paused. I had a development deal that I was going to do that I'm like, dude, no way. We're not right now. I would hate to get into a development deal. And I own the land. I mean, I already own additional to deal that I have. So I could do it. But like, man, there's just so many X factors that I don't know, like supply stuff, sure. China, yeah. we got this, this Russia thing. Yeah, I mean, dude, it's kind of scary right now. Sure. Like shit could really get yeah. go bad. I don't know. Yeah. And supply lines. I get asked a lot about the economic forecast, as I'm sure you and everybody that's a thought leader in the industry, right? Get asked all the time. And I always say, like, I don't know. We interview experts all day, every day, and they all kind of say, well, it's either going to go straight up or it's going to go straight down. No one freaking knows. Nobody freaking knows. But I still sit in the camp that for us and where we are, as long as we stay away from like kind of high risk things like development with us owning cash flowing real estate and like mid-level apartments, I don't think it matters. Like I stand by. Listen, I just sound like if we cold our shit, as long as we cash flow, yeah, whether anything like what's our worst case scenario, we keep holding a property until it becomes profitable. I say this all the time about my single family portfolio because people are be careful, be careful. I'm like, look, I don't give a shit if everything I own's value gets cut in half tomorrow. If everything I own is worth 50% tomorrow, what it is today. I don't care because I have long-term fixed debt on it and it'll continue to cash flow. And I'll just wait until it goes back up before I ever think about selling it. That's the beauty. You used a great recession, right? So 
I was doing real estate 2005, 2006 in Tulsa, Oklahoma, buying rental properties, right? I bought four of them. Right? This is when I first really started out. And then I moved to Phoenix and, um, and then the market crashed. Well, I sold them now, but I owned all those properties through the whole crash. And the reason is they cash flowed. Right. I didn't have to sell. I had a long-term debt on it. My loan wasn't due. And so it didn't affect me one bit. Right. And so I always make the joke in 2008, I was in college when the market crashed. I don't recall calling my landlord and telling him I was going to pay less rent. Like we just kept paying rent. Yeah. Right. And so there's the beauty in that too. And I think that is why it's the right class. Right. But I will tell you, I see a lot of people now buying in markets that they're not basing their stuff on cash flow, it's basing way on appreciation. And that's in Phoenix, Dallas, like some of these big ass markets where they're trading at three caps for a 1970s product. Right. It's wild out there. It is crazy, man. And so I feel sorry for those. I'm trying not to make those types of decisions, right? I'll tell you this, like the deal that we just came back from a due diligence on yesterday, $40 million purchase, we're buying it at a seven cap. It's a student housing deal in a smaller school, a 9,000 student school outside of Pittsburgh, due to cash flows, like after paying off my investors, almost a million dollars a year. And I'm like, I don't care what it does. <laughs> I'm cool. Daddy going to get paid. Even if my pay goes to half, I do half as good as I think. I'm still going to make half a million yeah. after I've paid my investors and debt service and everything else. So I'm like, I'm okay. Trust me on this. Yeah, for sure. That's the way to go, right? Yeah. We kind of stay out of those like central primary markets. Like, you know, I guess if you call it a tertiary market. We're like 40 minutes outside. We're not in downtown Charlotte. We're in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Yeah. We're not in downtown Atlanta. We're in Noonan, Georgia. You know what I mean? And we can still buy. I think that's what you got to buy. I think that's where the value is at for guys like us. That's exactly where you find nice little properties that you can create and affect change. Cool. Well, listen, as we wrap up, what would you tell any new investor or any even somewhat seasoned investor? What would you want to tell them about your journey or that you'd want to give them some wisdom? So I would just certainly encourage anybody who's seriously committed to the process to stay seriously committed to the process. It takes longer to buy a $10 million apartment complex than it does a $200,000 house. So if you get out here and you look for six months and you don't find any, I mean, it took me two years from when I decided I wanted to buy an apartment building to when we closed on our first project was over two years. And so I would just encourage you to stay committed to the process, stay around these guys that, that are already doing it and just be patient. Awesome. Yeah. Slow and steady wins the race, right? For sure. And then any books that you've been reading, what anything that you've been reading lately that's really just said, man, that was a good read. So I read a good bit. The last two books that I really enjoyed, one was the one by Sam Zell, Am I Being Too Subtle? Sam Zell pretty much invented the, the real estate REIT game. He's been doing it since the 60s. Really, really great book. One of the central kind of tendencies of that book and one of his philosophies that just stuck with me that I just love is he always tries to leave something on the table. He's about long-term relationship building. So anytime that he can make the deal work for him and still give the guy on the other side of the table a little more, he does that. And that's one of my central tendencies in my business. Put it on my website. I tell my employees all the time. It's 
So some people out there think what makes a great businessman is squeezing every penny out of every deal. That's not true at all. It's the exact opposite. What makes a great businessman is giving more and creating these long-term relationships where people want to do business with you over and over again, right? Don't beat up. Don't go back and retrade and put the broker through hell. They never want to work with you again. Be easy to do business with and make people want to keep doing business with you. That's what makes you a great business person. Amen, brother. That's some great words of wisdom there. Love it. Truly love it. Listen, how do people go out and find you? They can find me at my website, crestworthcapital.com. They can find me on Facebook, Sterling Chapman, Instagram, Sterling Chapman, REI, or they can email me, sterling at crestworthcapital.com. Awesome. Listen, I wanted to thank you for coming on the show, really providing some really neat insight on lots of ways to get into the real estate, right? Sometimes you just need to surround yourself with the right people. Look for the money, right? You probably have integrity that you don't even know you have. And when you start surrounding yourself with the right team to help put that all together, just like Sterling did, he created a really nice little group and partnerships that he could go into deals with and provide tremendous value. Guys, that all starts though with your mind. You opened up and said, hey, one of the biggest things is to stick with it, stay committed, right? That's a mind thing, guys. You have to have, and it took him two years, you heard him say two years to get all the way to the end, right? It is that type of commitment. You have to tell yourself daily that you are the one, that that it is worth it. Guys, if you believe it, you can achieve it. And your paradise is possible.